Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. We are recording. Are we doing this nasty nasty thing we're doing this nasty thing oh my god are we we're getting wet and wild (laughs) rain it in mo (laughs) we're we're back again good to be back back in the swing of things we're coming at you with a new episode uh my name's jeremy i am mo it's your boy it's your boy mo and it's your boothang (laughs) j-dog Ooh. not boothang 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 I'm everybody's boothang. You're boothang, and I am a, I'm a boy. You're a boy. You're a small boy. Small boy. You're a small, malnourished newspaper boy. <laughs> Not a B-O-Y, a B-O-I. A B-O-I boy. So far, whatever we just said is indecipherable. It's fine, because here's the thing. I had another migraine. No. And I am in, yet again, another state of mania, perfectly timed for a podcast recording. Yeah. Amazing how the universe knows. And it's actually kind of great because I was really worried that I was going to have to cancel and really? be like a huge nuisance. And I was concerned. Well, I'm, I'm glad it worked out. For those of you unaware, Mo gets migraines. A lot of people get migraines. But with Mo, she has what I assume is a rare side effect of a migraine, which is after you have one, <laughs> you enter a, a euphoria. No, it's called mm-hmm. mania. You enter yeah. a mania. Yeah, it's like a euphoric manic episode. It's very bizarre. If you've ever like experienced mania, you know what I mean, but it feels like you're high. The world is a haze. You're on cloud nine. Nothing can phase you. You're indestructible. Everything is a great decision. And it is dangerous place to be. <laughs> honestly, that's a dangerous it's place to be. It's honestly really, really hard because you have to like really rein yourself in. Yeah. Some things are just not supposed to be done. You just really should not do it. What's like the worst idea you got during a, a manic episode? Oh, God. I feel like there's so many, like all of them. Usually it's saying things because I feel like there's no consequences to things. So I like want to text everybody. I want to talk to everybody. And I just, I need to tell them everything there is to know about anything and everything, which like is not a good idea. No. Right? Because they're like, there's just some people you shouldn't talk to. Yeah. You feel like a nice person because like you are being nice a large amount of the time, but like it comes across as very crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sort of like regular manic. (laughs) I got something to feed your mania. See how you like this. You ever heard of a pig toilet? I have not, no. Oh, I just found out about this and I'm not sure how I feel about it. So you know how pigs are known to eat literally anything? Like they'll just eat and eat and eat? Yeah. Uh, Well, a pig toilet, sometimes called a pig style latrine, is a simple type, this is straight from Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. is a simple type of dry toilet consisting of an outhouse mounted over a pig sty with a chute or hole connecting the two. The pigs consume the feces of the users of the toilet as well as other food. Picture this little outhouse, essentially what looks like a little above ground pool, this Mm -hmm. structure where like when you poop, it goes right to the pigs and they eat it. That's wild. It's like sustainable living or something. I think it's an older thing, especially in like rural China, I guess, were popular. 
Also, what was popular as well as pig toilets, a similar structure, but with the koi pond underneath. The fish huh. in there would feed off the bacteria in your stool. Mm-hmm. I guess it smelled better because it's going into water. Right. Whereas, like, can only imagine, like, pigs and human poop together smells, like, probably terrible. Yeah. Fun science fact is that human feces are actually bad for the environment, like composting, right? Like, if you're trying to compost things and make it into soil yeah. to use to, like, grow new things. Human feces is horrid. It's so bad. You're not supposed to use it. Why not people poop? Harmful bacteria and pathogens. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I just wanted to share that because I thought that was very <laughs> absurd and disgusting. I think people just don't know where to put their filth. Yeah, well, I mean, you know? that's like a thing now, too. It's like, right. where do you even put all that? Yeah. I don't understand. Where does it even go? I don't know. Do you know what happens to our sewage? Because I don't. I think some of it gets turned back into water. It's like dried or something, maybe. I don't know if you can dry water. <laughs> <laughs> the feces. The feces. <laughs> it's like you take the water Bur- burned, out of it. Burned, probably, right? Like burned and boiled and... <laughs> no, yeah, I'm realizing that I have no idea what I'm talking about. I feel like we shouldn't look it up. I think we should. I think just we should just make a blind guess. assumption. Yeah, that it's burnt and boiled. Burnt and boiled. <laughs> yeah, it's a popular dish. Burnt and boiled feces. Uh, I don't like it. Oh, you know what's weird to think about? We just got done recording the mini episode, and I wanted to talk about it, but we can't because it's mini, and I got to keep this trap shut. Yes. For that, COVID has been a thing for a year now. Last year in December, it was going on in China and we were just starting to hear about it. Yes, right, right. Really like February, March in the States is when Mm -hmm. it affected us, which is so strange. I mean, time passes quickly anyways, but this time has both stretched on forever and passed quickly. I can't remember what it was like before at this point. Yeah, yeah. I find myself forgetting what it's like to like walk into a store without a mask. Yeah. And even like watching TV and stuff now where there are people in crowds, I get really anxious just watching that. Yes, I'll be watching a show and like somebody's just walking the street of New York with no mask. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this doesn't seem real. I don't know that I'll ever get to a point where I'm comfortable with that again. Yeah. You go somewhere and then as soon as you get back in your car, like putting hand sanitizer Mm -hmm. on, like I think I'll probably get stuck in that for a a while. Right. I'm just paranoid. Yeah. Mine's like washing my hands. I wash obsessively. If I do anything, I have to go wash my hands. Are they getting dry because of that? They're actually like very moist. Oh, yeah. You good soap. Yeah, I got very good soap. I have so many calluses, though, <laughs> because I'm a rock climbing bitch now. That's right. You rock climb now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So, Mo. Yeah. You are a rock climber. I am. What? Ah, it's so fun. I love it. It was like really hard at first because, I don't know, I'm like a string bean, right? I just have a lot of limb. It's a whole lot, a lot of limb, limb whole lot, a lot of, of limb content. going on. Yeah, so I like to boulder, which means that you don't have a harness and you just fucking chuck yourself up this wall in yeah. varying degrees of difficulty with different rocks. And it's like a giant puzzle that you use your body to get to the top of the boulder for. It is like a body puzzle. You're it's climbing like, up. And how many times have you fallen? Endlessly. So much. Well, it depends because if it's one I've done before and I can do successfully, I don't fall. But like if I'm trying a new one, I'll fall at least like a couple dozen times. How does that not just like really hurt? Because there's padding. But even, okay, so even if there's padding, you said how tall was these things that you climb? Probably like 12, 15 feet or something. So 12, 15 feet, not too bad, but I don't like when I scrape an elbow. Do you get scraped up on the rocks? Yeah, the rocks. Yeah, she's showing me her elbows with more just scabs on. This them. one has a huge one. I don't know if I can. Okay, so you when you fall, you are you are scraping yourself on rocks. Occasionally, not always. Yeah, that guy scarred up. That was a blister. Yeah, that was a couple yeah, blisters. Yeah, get those callous hands from grabbing rocks. Wow, look at that. 
It doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't hurt because the way that you fall, you have to teach yourself how to fall safely and you just lean back basically. So you land on your feet and then you go to your butt and then you kind of roll back on your back. So you just kind of sit down. Was there a reason why you took up rock climbing? Were you tired of seeing walls of rocks and being unable to access the points beyond them? So one of my really good friends, Amelia, is a rock climber. And when I went to go visit her in Texas, she took me rock climbing and it was a ton of fun. And I fell in love with it. And we have a gym in Michigan. When it opened back up from COVID, I decided to get a membership and I hate, I hate running in the cold. Yeah. So I really wanted something that I could do where I didn't have to like subject myself to that. And the regular gym is just kind of boring to me. Mm -hmm. I wanted something more like stimulating. More rocks. You're like, this looks too indoor. I need something that looks kind of outdoor. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, hey, there's rocks in this one. Because I think the thing for me is I want something practical. I want a practical workout. Running is practical. Swimming is like kind of practical. Rock climbing, I feel like, is a practical skill to have. Yeah. How many times are you going to encounter a treadmill in the wild? Exactly. Now, a wall of rocks to climb? A couple times a week, I encounter a large boundary that I cannot cross because it's full of rocks. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Steep rocks. And it's like parkour, right? I can like do parkour things probably. I haven't tried, but I feel like that's a skill I would obtain. You're going to scrape up your face. That's great. What animal do you think would have the best shot winning if you wrestled it? Like a chipmunk? Like a chipmunk. Okay, well, let's let's say like, that's just <laughs> like, like murder. <laughs> Bigger animal. No rodents. Except maybe a capybara. Oh, they're so sweet though. I wouldn't want to wrestle no, it. Yeah, you wouldn't. The biggest animal that I feel like I could beat in a wrestling match, a penguin. Okay. I could give that an elbow for sure. Oh, for sure. And, and it would just, I, I feel like the noise it would fall make. over. It would be like a squeak almost. It'd be like a. Uh-huh. Like a, a defeated honk. Right. What's your best goose impression? <laughs> Ooh. <gasps> Ooh, that's good. Is it? Yeah. That was Thank a, you. That was a really good goose. I'm oh, surprised. I'm Thank taken you. aback. Oh, what's yours? <laughs> that's a terrible goose impression. It sounds like a woman giggling. <laughs> okay. That, I don't know. That sounds, that, that was bad. But the first one, the, you're just getting worse. Oh, okay. Now we're circling back again. That sounded okay. <laughs> no, that was t- <laughs> really like hit or miss. Uh, yeah, you actually you sound more like a bike horn. Okay, that's, that's like that's, that's like a duck. I do that one a lot. If I ever pass a duck, I like to talk to the ducks. Yeah, oh, that's normal. Do you not? Uh, not. I don't know. I mean, when I'm driving, there's no telling <laughs> what I can and can't say. Uh, when I'm driving, I'm just spitting out verbal diarrhea, talking to myself, Ooh. joking with myself. Do you joke with yourself all the time? I just make up characters as <gasps> I'm driving. Whoa. Give me an example. Oh, you can't just create this out of thin air. Where am I driving? You are... I'm in my car. Put me in a location. I'm in my car. Okay. We're driving to me and well, not us, because then you wouldn't be doing any of this. You are driving to Big Boy. The restaurant chain? The restaurant chain. Or my lover. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My pimp, Big Boy. You're going for a breakfast because it's a good day. It's a really good day. You're like, I'm going to treat myself to Big Boy. Okay, so, okay, so like on my, my voice is a little hoarse. Oh, but I'm, I'm somebody's, I'm a dad. All right. We're going to Big Boy. Uh, Jason, stop kicking your mother's seat. 
so ungrateful. I bought you a Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to big. You know what? This is not the magic it is when I'm in a car. So this is why you're so good at improv. Because yeah. you already do all of these characters on a daily basis. On a daily basis. That's why you're so good at character work. That's where you thrive. That's where I thrive. And the accents. Ugh. What if I am the big boy? What does big boy sound like? He sounds like this. Oh, yeah. He's eating a lot of pie. I got goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. See, I feel like a big boy sounds like this. Or kind of like, oh, kind of high pitched. I like oh, a, This is terrible. I'm terrible. This is bad. I like sausage. I like sausage. So, there's got to be there's gotta be an aspect of him that is like damaged. He's hurt somehow. He, well, you can't eat that much big boy food and not have cognitive decline. I feel like big boy definitely in his free time goes to the farm and secretly sucks the teat of cows. Probably. I think he's into a lot of freaky stuff. Where does big boy come from? I never thought about this. Like, does he have parents? How old is he? Is he a grown man? Do other people know what Big Boy is or is this specifically a Midwest restaurant chain? I think most people know what Big Boy is if and you, forever will be. If you don't know, Big Boy is a restaurant chain that has kind of shitty food, but it's mostly breakfast food and it's like buffet style kind of, but like also not. And it's usually where the local senior citizens flock. It is American food. I think it's like that would be classified as like an American style food. It's very American. It's like cheeseburgers. Yeah. And like there's a salad bar, but fuck that. You, go, you get like yeah. a bunch of gravy covered. It's where your grandparents definitely took you to yes. eat if they ever took you out to eat. Yes. It's that. What are big boys political views? Mm, he's definitely conservative. I would say so too. Yeah. I would say... Quietly conservative. He's quietly conservative, but also not a hard conservative. He's like kind of in the middle ground a little bit, but just feels like He's something. A He's a moderate then. Something should be just kept to the bedroom. Okay. Okay. You know, right. there's just some ideals that you just don't spread with everybody. Spread. You don't spread. Spread that big boy. <laughs> big boy, big boy. <laughs> Anyways, Anyways, should we jump into to Bigfoot? Hey, hey, talk about big boys. Oh, wow. We have the big, biggest boy. Big, biggest boy known as Bigfoot. Right. The biggest boy with the biggest feet. And you know what they say about big feet. A proportionate penis. <laughs> so we're finally doing Sasquatch or Bigfoot, whatever you want to call it. We haven't covered this. It seems like a rite of passage for us to talk about the Sasquatch. Right. And the whole idea that you kind of came up with that I loved is that 2020 is finally coming to an end. And what better way to end 2020, the worst, stupidest year, than to leave off on an episode on the most ridiculous scripted <laughs> in existence. It bothers me that Bigfoot has the amount of like <laughs> relevance still. So as you can see, we both have our opinions about Bigfoot, but we're going to tell you about Honestly, it. I really like Bigfoot. I don't mind Bigfoot. I really enjoy a Bigfoot because I have a foot fetish and mm, I feel yes. like I would definitely want to suck on his toes. If you have a foot fetish, do you like bigger feet or would you prefer smaller feet? Just because you have a fetish doesn't mean you want more of what you have a fetish of. I feel like if it's a foot and it's a clean foot, I will suck on it. Well... There are toe suckers, and then there are feet lickers. Mm, no, I like a I, I have an inside source on the foot fetish community, and you're That's either a true. toe sucker to, or a foot licker. Or you want things done with feet. Right. Oh, yeah. Or you want your feet touched and stuff. Right. Or you want someone's feet touching you. Yeah. 
You ever had like a dog lick your toes? It does tickle. Oh, I really, I hate that. Like mud, mud between oh, your yeah, toes. That's, that's what I imagine. Gross. That's what I imagine someone licking my toes feels like. Mm, I I'm like, I really I'm can't, nauseous. I can't, I can't really imagine. <laughs> I'm a little nauseous thinking about this actually. I just think it's so dangerous to lick a foot, you know? <laughs> You're really putting everything on the line to get your kicks. In that regard, I, I admire that. I yeah. admire foot fetishists. I feel like it's more dangerous to lick a hand. Because your hand touches more things. Your feet are enclosed. But your foot is locked into a, in a sock and a shoe all day. So it's like yeah. dark moisture. That's true. You, can, you, you get know? fungus more often on your feet. You get more interesting things. Like you develop a culture in a foot. Your hand is a Petri dish. Yeah. yeah. But a foot, that's like you could create something new. It's fermenting. By interacting with it. It's fermenting down there. Yeah. But what if you have a lazy Saturday? Lazy you, Saturday. A lazy Saturday. Okay. You don't wear shoes. You don't wear socks. You're going around barefoot. You don't really do much. You're hanging out. And your lady or your man, I don't know, either your partner. or. Your partner comes over and just starts sucking. Just starts sucking on, just starts on your piggies. How do you feel about that knowing you have a pretty much clean foot? Well, no, because if you're walking around barefoot, you're touching everything that everything else is touched. Well, what about sucking on a hand after you do handstands all day? <laughs> after you do a two-person wheelbarrow and you're the wheel part. You don't have an issue with that. So what's the difference? I don't know. You're really calling my bluff on this. <laughs> the man who just does handstands all day. Man, what a rough life. He's got the palms. The, the palms of his hands are like leather. That sounds hot. But no, like if you're just hanging out on the couch, you're not walking around everywhere. Okay, yeah. I would still like to like have a conversation with them before they start or at least have like a, uh, a warning me. from the other room before they come in. Like, I'm coming for the toes. Ooh, Guard those do, piggies. They knock on the door, right? There's a there's a distant knock. Yeah. Jeremy, I'm coming for the toes. And you go. One second. You go, and I spray them with perfume. Right. You go green light. Green light. You, you go suck on. <laughs> and then they. Suck on, brother. They walk in on their hands. Mm -hmm. Of course, this is the handstand man, <laughs> after all. Handstand man. <laughs> a bunch of carnival music as he's coming in. Hey. You, uh, you have your feet. They are dangling off the couch, so they're on the floor. Handstand man comes over, positions himself over top of the feet, goes down into a press, and then licks them from the handstand. Yeah, this little piggy went to the market. Mmm, -hmm. mm, this little piggy did have roast beef. Wow. <laughs> you have been wearing shoes all day, haven't uh, you? <laughs> Somebody hasn't let these dogs air out. Yeah. So, uh, look, so we've spent a lot of time talking about a foot, feet and foot <laughs> fetishes and toe sucking. Let's get on to the actual topic, which is <laughs> Bigfoot. Hmm. <laughs> Was that a... Uh, hmm. <laughs> that was Bigfoot. Did, oh I just see, did I just hear Bigfoot? What? <laughs> what the heck? Hi, it's Bigfoot. Can Bigfoot come in? Hi, it's Bigfoot. Can Bigfoot come in? <laughs> One thing you will learn is that Bigfoot is a shy boy. And he talks in the third person. <laughs> Hi, it's Bigfoot. Can Bigfoot come in? Uh, well, Bigfoot is not as intelligent as man. Uh, <laughs> so naturally, they talk in a third yes. person. Okay. So. It was God's rough draft of man was Ex Bigfoot. Exactly. Too much hair, not enough brain. Exactly. Sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension. Their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? Bigfoot, one of the most legendary beasts in history. Well, he was what I would call a Sasquatch. What did it look like? It looked like a giant ape with a man's face. 
Don't tell me that they can't exist. I know they exist. Unbelievable. Fantastic. But I tell you, it could happen. Okay, so what is Bigfoot? If you have been living under a rock or you're just not familiar and you haven't, I don't know, fucking done your own research, what the fuck are you doing? Let's not berate our (laughs) listeners, please. (laughs) What's Bigfoot, you fuck? (laughs) Do you you don't know what it is? (laughs) So Bigfoot looks like a large, hairy man who roams the northern Americas. So typically like northern California. The Pacific Northwest. Pacific Northwest. But he has, they, I'm going to use they, they have been sighted also in just other northern parts of America and Canada. You know know what the plural of Bigfoot is? Bigfoots. Not big feet. Not big feet. There's some big feet over there. (laughs) So Bigfoot is said to be up to eight feet tall. And here's the thing, leave large footprints in their wake. So they are characterized as non-aggressive animals whose shyness and human-like intelligence make them elusive and rarely seen because they don't want to be seen because they're easily spooked by people, Hmm. which I think is like very cute, just like very cute and sweet. Yeah. So some wilderness travelers claim to have smelled Bigfoot stench or heard their screams and whistles. And <laughs> cool. <laughs> I think yeah. that's cool. Like a little shy guy hanging around the tree and just like, I can't whistle. Well, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. But what's fucked up is like the other alternative to that is like people say that big feet, Bigfoot's yowl. Ooh, give me a yowl. <laughs> that's what they sound like. <laughs> And it's not, can you imagine? Listen, children, the majestic Bigfoot. (laughs) Are you telling me that if you were out in the wilderness camping and you heard that, you would want it to be a Bigfoot instead of like just a man wandering around yowling? (laughs) It's like, man, Bigfoot sounds a lot like a hiker trapped under a rock, (laughs) just screaming for help. No, like, don't come closer. That's he, a big foot. Right. They're not aggressive. They're just really shy. Yeah. Though what is don't a, worry. One common thing that Bigfoots or Sasquatch, <laughs> Sasquatches? Sasquatches, uh. Uh, squatchers. <laughs> the one thing that squatchers do is they actually are known to like throw rocks. Oh. If you're coming too close. Wow. So throwing like little stones or big <gasps> stones. That's cute. It's actually very scary. But There's yeah. footage of this. Here's the thing. What's incredible about Bigfoot is that he does not photograph well. Mm-hmm. No video is ever too clear. He's very smart. Cameras can't pick him up for some reason. Because he's so smart. He's elusive. He knows how to evade. He's just blurry. Fun fact about cheetahs is their spots in their, like the rest of their fur, like the tan parts, are different lengths. So when you're looking at a cheetah, it's kind of blurred a little bit and it makes an outline hard to see. So they blend in with the environment really well. So what if Bigfoot just has different hair lengths which makes him fuzzy hard and to hard to on. see and focus on. Right, right. probably be camouflage and stuff like that. Right. I think there could be a Bigfoot. I don't see why I not. I think of all like the cryptids of all the famous like monsters, I think Bigfoot is the least hard to swallow. I agree. Yeah, I think so too because like there's so much expansive wilderness. Yeah. And are we really going to DNA test like every hair we fucking find? No. Nah, you can't no. afford to. You can't afford it. It's always just going to be some sort of like mongrel dog. Yeah, and the FBI did test hair from someone who claimed that there was a Bigfoot and I'll get into that in oh, a little oh, bit. Oh, <laughs> 
So just to give you more background, in Native American tales, Bigfoot is said to be the gap between the human and magical world. So the original origin of this story and how it became popular is there is a journalist by the name of Andrew Gonzoli who wrote a story in 1958. He reported on a letter from a reader about some loggers in Northern California who had seen an unnaturally large series of footprints. Mm -hmm. Readers were like absolutely enthralled by this. So it became like a regular story where they would write articles detailing this mystery creature. And they ended up coming up with the name Bigfoot. Because it was a Bigfoot. Yeah, it was a big footprint. It was a big old footprint. However, this came out in 1958, but there were a lot of stories of wild men before that from all over the world. So in Canada, the First Nation people in Western Canada reported a Sestales, which is the origin of a Sasquatch. Sestales? I'm definitely pronouncing it. Sestales. Sestales. No, no, that's like Hispanic. No, no, no. I was like, whoa. Sestales. Sestales? I think that's how you say it. How is it spelled? It's S-T-S apostrophe A-I-L-E-S. That's not even, no. Right. Stales. Stales. Stiles. Yes. So local Native Americans disclosed. We'll call call him S Money. S Money. (laughs) The First Nations were like, hey, we got a name for this guy. It's S Money. S Money. He's rad as hell. (laughs) So local Native Americans also disclosed these stories of early accounts of these wild men. It does go back uh, like a considerable amount, especially with the Native Americans. Right. And Native Indigenous people of Canada. Right. And there's like a lot of different names, but they have like the same occurrence and stories from like a lot of different tribes. Mm Mm-hmm. They called them the wild Indians of the woods that kind of fit this description. Yeah. There were tales in Oregon of wild men who lurked near villages and left immense tracks. And there were also stories of stick men from other tribes who were potentially hostile beings who stole salmon or confused people by whistling, causing them to become lost. But they never actually attacked anybody. They were always like kind of in the distance. You see this a lot in folklore, but also in the paranormal and cryptozoology. These monsters, these cryptids, these weird forces of what nature, I don't know. They all kind of fall under trickster gods. Yeah, which I think is like a very fun idea. It's these figures that are mythical to some extent, but they trick you. They deceive you in some way. They make you look crazy because you say, I just saw something. And everyone's like, no, you didn't. But like you can't actually capture them on camera. And every time you try, it just looks as a fuzzy thing. Yeah. And so you just look crazy to everybody. That's like a cool idea, I think. Like it's maddening, but also very fun. Because can you imagine being that trickster god who's doing this? And driving this one person fucking crazy because they keep going out in the woods to try and capture you. And you're like, you're never going to. Right. You're never going to. I'm going to throw some rocks at you. I'm not going to hurt you. And I'm a little shy. And I'm going to be elusive. But like, (laughs) I'm going to mess with you a little bit. I'm going to yell. I'm going to whistle at you. I wanted to add really quick, though, when you talk about the wild man throughout, for example, the United States, there's a lot of Sasquatch like figures that are regional. Mm -hmm. I think Florida has like a skunk ape. Oh. Which is like very fitting for Florida. <laughs> yeah. They have Disney World. That's good. But they also have a skunk ape. That's the main is, attraction. That's the opposite of Disney World. So all these things fall under this sort of mythical figure known as the wild man, which is kind of more or less an archetype. Yeah. Sort of a universal symbol. It appears in artwork and literature across the world, mainly around in medieval Europe. The wild man is defined by its wildness, usually portrayed as animalistic and unburdened by the practices and values of a quote-unquote civilized 
world. Mm -hmm. Since the 12th century, these figures were popularly depicted as being covered in hair. For example, you were talking about how the natives saw them as wild Indians. In their mind, those are crazy men. Those of us who have lost our way, they become these crazy wild Indians in the woods. Yeah. And so the wild man existed as that. It was sort of like a symbol that reminded people of where we came from and where we don't want to go back to. Right. This primitive sort of crazy guy unbound by humanity that it actually grows hair. And it's like this oh. half animal, half man. One of the earliest examples of this is in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. This is like around second century BC. God humbles a Babylonian king for his arrogance by causing him to go insane. Mm. And the king is cast out of society where he lives like an animal and begins to grow hair. Wow. This concept has been around for a really long time and it is a projection of our darkest potential. Right. Like our animal potential. Like our very primitive type of being. And so while today Bigfoot is sort of like a mascot for the paranormal, it kind of comes from this Freudian boogeyman. Mm -hmm. So essentially, as the world rose from the shadows of primitiveness, the new boogeyman was lack of civility, like this Mm -hmm. crazy guy that you can't control that's out there somewhere. That actually is like a terrifying thought if you think about it. You know, they're out there and like you don't really know what they're going to do. And they're like throwing rocks at you and stuff. But like in your head, this is a fucking crazy person, right? You don't know where they are. You can't find them. They're elusive. They seem to not be hostile, but you just don't really know for sure. And they whistle at you. That's that's scary. That's scary. They are playing on a whole different level because while you're kind of tied down to social norms and order Mm -hmm. and society, they're just like a hunter-gatherer. All bets are off. You're easy pickings for them, really, if if you come face-to-face with one. And back in the day, like medieval Europe, for example, people knew that there was people living on the fringes of society that were uncivilized, that were like essentially still pagans and essentially still living in the dirt. (laughs) Anyways, so newspapers would report on wild men, but there was never like a cohesive story or discussion about it until this 1958 article on the loggers detailing Bigfoot. But many settlers would talk about these wild men or strange men from like the 1800s even. Yeah. And when they say wild men, they mean big animal men. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily mean like what we were just talking about with feral people. Right. They're talking about Bigfoot, but Bigfoot didn't have the Bigfoot name yet. He wasn't big. He wasn't famous yet. Hadn't popped off yet. So hysteria furthered when the famous family video, right, in 1967. Patterson-Gimlin film? Yeah. Showing Bigfoot in Northern California. That is probably what you're familiar with. So, yeah, the Patterson-Gimlin film. That was shot in 1967 in Northern California along a tributary of the Klamath River called Bluff Creek. You said home video, but it's different. It was shot with an old 16 millimeter camera by two friends, Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin. Mm -hmm. They were on a long trip and they had actually heard stories of Sasquatch in the area from like natives and locals. On October 20th, they were, I think at that point, 10 days in to a horseback riding trip in Northern California. Mm -hmm. At approximately 1.30 p.m., Patterson and Gimlin encountered an ape-like humanoid fleeing from behind an upturned tree stump. And I believe Patterson came upon it first. Patterson was more involved. Gimlin was there for protection in case of any like animal attack or whatever. So he had a, he had a, a rifle on him. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the, the horses get spooked immediately. And then Patterson realizes what he's seen. And having rented a camera for this purpose, he whips it out and starts filming, which a lot of people find suspicious, mm-hmm. which is why, one of the reasons why it's scrutinized. 
both Patterson and Gimlin were like trained rodeo riders. So he was able to get the camera out of his saddlebag and start filming. He tells Gimlin to cover him. Gimlin gets his rifle out and Patterson doesn't get too close, but the closest he gets is like, I want to say a hundred feet from this thing as it goes away. And he films this sort of Sasquatch creature walking away, like escaping them, but also kind of slowly walking away from them. Mm-hmm. Kind of like he's leering at them yeah. as he walks away, like a diva. Very diva-ish. Because in the footage, you can see the creature look back a couple times. Mm-hmm. And Patterson actually said later, the vibe I got and the look that I saw was not somebody who was scared, but somebody who was annoyed. Mm-hmm. Gimlin had said that while they had agreed to bring a gun, they both inherently knew not to shoot it. Mm Because they didn't sense a menacing presence from it. Right. And then later on, after everybody doubted the footage they shot, they both had said, like, we kind of wish we did shoot it so that we could have proof. Mm Because everyone from then on says, oh, it's a costume. That's not a real Bigfoot they caught. It's a hoax. They all planned it out. The surviving film shows a bipedal ape creature with dark brown hair covering most of its body. Mm -hmm. The whole film, the Patterson-Gimlin film, is a total of 954 frames. And in frame 264, the creature in the film turns back to look at Patterson as it fled. It's like the iconic image of Bigfoot that everybody knows. Right, Whether they realize it or not. Where he's walking, this wide, awkward gait, kind of lumbering. (laughs) Yeah. And it's when he looks back, you can see the face the best there. Yeah. That's frame 264 and it's become kind of like infamous. So what I think is cool about the film, I think it's easy to say that it's probably faked. I have no idea, but it just that makes sense because like it's too perfect. But for decades, the Patterson-Gimlin film has been studied by film experts and scientists who have scrutinized everything from the footage frame rate to the nature of the creature's gait. And today, the film still is very polarizing. Roger Patterson died in 1972. Gimlin's still alive. But Patterson died in 1972 and swore until his death that it was genuine and that it wasn't a hoax and that Mm. they actually, what they saw, they had no part in. They just stumbled upon it. What I thought was interesting, and a lot of people might not notice, but the creature can be seen with visible breasts. Uh That's actually why they refer to that creature in the film as Patty. It's a playoff of the last name Patterson. But Mm. because it's a woman, they call it Patty. Oh, I like um, that. Yeah. I'm looking at the picture right now. There are like distinct breasts. There are. The two It could have easily bosoms. been a female Bigfoot. A mama Bigfoot. Yeah. Though a popular claim is that Patty is just an actor in a fursuit. No seams or zippers can be identified in the footage at all, even when you like increase the quality of the footage. And also all attempts to replicate Patty's abnormal gait, like the way she walks, they say it's not quite possible for a human to walk like that. Also, like the arms are very long. The arms are are very long. And the, there's like not much of a neck. And right. it has like it's a hunched cut, over. Like a very oblong head mm-hmm. shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very interesting like body shape altogether. It, it was actually tested at Stanford's motion and gait analysis lab and they couldn't replicate it. That's amazing. I love that. Can you imagine if that's literally the only video we have and it's actually like a genuine video? But, yeah, but foot? at this point, it's so steeped in like conspiracy that it might as well just be fake because nobody really. Yeah, nobody really believes it. Yeah. Can you imagine filming that, though? And it's 100 percent genuine and, and you like, nah, know that. Yeah. And everyone else is like, nah, you're fucking with us. Yeah. People want things to be debunked because it makes more sense on your brain. Right. So they're more accepting of criticisms than they are of. Right, like it being genuine. It being genuine. Even if it is true, like you're never going to know that for sure unless something else comes out, right? So like there's always going to be that question. So it's not solid. No. But it being debunked feels like an answer and it feels like a resolution. So Mm -hmm. you're more able to accept that than the open end of it possibly being true. Exactly. Yeah. So a few, like you said, anthropologists and scientists have like supported the evidence by the video or by examining the footprints saying that they have dermal ridges, which is indicative of 
like a natural foot pad, okay. right, of like okay. animals and things. Most scientists remain skeptical. I mean, I feel like that's you kinda, obvious. Yeah, yeah, you kind of have to. Scientists in general, I feel like, are just skeptical of every skeptical. A skeptical. S- skeptical of everything. Yeah. Because you have to be. If you're in science, you have to be skeptical of everything. Yes. The idea of Bigfoot was further pushed into the public eye with a TV show called Truth or Consequences, which offered a $1,000 prize to anyone who could prove the existence of Bigfoot. So, like, it pushed the idea of Bigfoot out into the public eye even more, but then it also made it much more of... Calling card for hoaxers. Exactly. Because then there were a lot of videos and pictures and things of people trying to, like, make a Bigfoot, right? Yeah. And which were obviously fake. So then it seemed like everything was fake because all of these were fake. And they were obviously fake, right? So then it just put more doubt on the Patterson-Gimlin video that you were saying not a lot of people can really prove one way or another. Right. It's shaky, grainy footage from 1967. Right. Like, what do you can, what can you really do with that? Yeah. Once Bigfoot's existence became public, he started appearing in a lot of adventure magazines and novels. So in these stories, he was like a primal, dangerous animal out of the past who lurked in the wilderness. And this kind of transformed a bit into the 1970s, where a lot of pseudo-documentaries were made investigating the existence. And a lot of films were showing him as a sexual predator, which I think is interesting. I think the 70s are just really horny and just kinky (laughs) in general. They're like, oh, this big Sasquatch. Rugged, wild man. In the 80s, Bigfoot was shown to have his softer side and became a symbol of environmentalism and, Mm. like, the need to preserve the wilderness. Yeah. Like, shy and elusive qualities. Like, he's not hostile. He's just hiding out in the wilderness, and that's his home, and we need to protect it, which I think is a very cute idea. And I think that's kind of what we've stayed with with this idea. and more of a friendly figure right now. Right. And there was a movie called Harry and the Hendersons. Fuck yeah, there was. Ooh, which showed Bigfoot as a friendly and misunderstood creature who just really needed help from the family. I loved that movie as a kid. I had never seen it. Uh, It's still good. It's got John Lithgow in it. Ooh, I should watch that. Really good. But that kind of helped to perpetuate the idea that Bigfoot was just a a friendly neighborhood creature. Yeah, family fun. That just needed some help. From John Lithgow. Right. So jump into the FBI thing a little bit. The FBI opened a file on Bigfoot in in 1976 because the director of the Bigfoot Information Center and Exhibition in Oregon (laughs) by the name of Peter Brine sent the FBI about 15 hairs attached to a tiny piece of skin that he believed to belong to Bigfoot because nobody... Mm. And his circle at the Bigfoot Information Center and Exhibition (laughs) could (laughs) identify what this belonged to. So he's like, this calls for the FBI, (laughs) naturally. Jay Cochran Jr., who is the assistant director of the FBI's Scientific and Technical Services Division, wrote back to Brian at his request that the FBI usually only examined physical evidence for like criminal investigations, but it sometimes made exceptions in the interest of research and scientific inquiry. And they decided to make said exception for Brian and his 15 hairs attached to a piece of skin, Bigfoot sample. Well, they find... There's a bit of discrepancy because the FBI states that they sent a letter to Brian stating that it was not Bigfoot and belonged to the deer family. 
in some Does way. It like spotted elk or something? It didn't specify what exactly, but it was like in the deer family. Okay, yeah. Brian states that he never received a letter from the FBI, and he only learned about this when they disclosed the file like 30 years later. Okay, when they released it. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of discrepancy there because like obviously if it wasn't Bigfoot and he got this letter saying it wasn't Bigfoot, why would he want to release that? Because he's like the director of this Bigfoot Information Center. I don't know. I just feel like Bigfoot Information Centers are a dime a dozen. And also, why would you trust the government to, like, handle this weird case right. to give them, like, potential top secret crazy shit and then right. being like, you're going to tell me the truth, right? And you're totally going to get back to me on right. this? Because from the government's perspective, if it were a Bigfoot, why would you want to release that information to the public yeah. who are then going to absolutely swarm the wilderness yeah. in search of this creature you know what I mean? And this little piggy went wee, wee, wee all the way home. Uh, yeah. Like there's no benefit really yeah, to the, to the government releasing that information. Yes. So either way, I mean, you can look at either side of that argument. <laughs> Some fun facts that I thought were cute. Washington and Oregon have proposed bills to protect the creatures from hunters. Bigfoot has served as official state mascots uh-huh. as well, which I think is very cute. And I will leave off on my own little tutorial on how to find a Bigfoot. Oh, man. I got to know this. If you happen to live in the Washington Pacific Northwest area, here are some sites that are supposed to be very good for spotting a Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. The key is finding an extremely remote and desolate area. You have to go real, real deep in the wilderness because that's where they are because they're shy and they're elusive. So you have to like really commit to this. In the movie Harry and the Hendersons, there is a location called Espresser Chalet in Index, Washington. It is a roadside attraction commemorated with a life-size or many life-size Bigfoot statues carved out of wood. And it's very remote there. You can go there, mm-hmm. find Bigfoot, and at the least you can find some like cute little Bigfooty type things to like substantiate your hunger for a Bigfoot. Souvenir shops. There's also Mount Banker in Snoqualmie National Forest. Mm. It's an off-the-grid area where 70% of the forest is unspoiled. It's very remote. And then there's also the Mountain Loop Highway, which (laughs) is described to have the vibe of a survivalist bunker haven. That's what What? it feels like. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) It means it's very off-the-grid and remote and... Not, not a whole lot going on. So if you are in the Pacific Northwest and would like to go find a Bigfoot. Those are some places to start. Those are some places to start. Very interesting. Going to go check that out. Going to go on a little road trip. Yeah, if you do that, send me an email so I can know how it goes. Also be careful. Don't be careful. If you hear a whistle, it's probably not a crazy man and it's probably Bigfoot. With Sasquatch, Bigfoot, whatever. There is a lot of hoaxes. Yeah. You're going to find a lot of fakes. Mm-hmm. Like most Sasquatch sightings or video evidence, I would argue that almost all of them are lies. And if they're not a lie, it's probably a misidentification of an animal. Yeah. So in 2007, there was actually some compelling photo evidence released by the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization of what they believe to be a juvenile Sasquatch. Oh. However, the Pennsylvania Game Commission insisted that these were photos of a bear with mange. And wow. I saw the photos and it looks more man than it does bear. Like a thin coat Mm. of hair all over its body. Mm -hmm. So prominent anthropologists and scientists countered this claim, noting that the limb proportions didn't match any kind of bear, but rather some kind of chimp. 
Oh, um, okay. And these photos were captured on a trail camera in Pennsylvania, I think in a forest or in a, a state I could, park. I could get that because like the arm thing with the picture, it seems very like monkey-esque, ape-esque. Yes, the arms are, yeah, in this picture too, the arms were Almost much like longer. a gorilla, like a man, yeah. like a man gorilla. Right. And so I wonder if there's just not loose primates from like failed zoos or carnivals. Or even just like a unknown primate. Well, think about what was that one documentary that came out on Netflix about they do with the jungle cats? Oh. Tiger King? Yeah. Douchebags that get these exotic animals for like roadside attractions. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you get a monkey or a gorilla or something and then you go out of business or they get loose because you're not a professional. Right. All of a sudden, there's some chimpanzees surviving in uh, Pennsylvania or right. something. Because that could happen. And then you have your own like sort of evolution of these animals. What an interesting story that would be. Way back when, hundreds of years ago, <laughs> some asshole was like, I'm going to bring a gorilla into Northern California. We gorillas here. Yeah. And then they just like got loose and he was so embarrassed he didn't tell anybody. And then these gorillas just learn to adapt or some shit. And that's Bigfoot. I want to share a story because we're cutting it close here. So I'll cap it off with a story. What I think is the most interesting, certainly at times unbelievable, but also just absurd, Sasquatch encounter by a man called Albert Ostman. So Albert Ostman was a Canadian prospector, logger, and trapper. In 1924, Ostman went to pan for gold in the Toba Inlet on the coast of British Columbia. Upon arriving, he was warned by indigenous people there that the area that Ostman was headed for was home to what they called mountain devils. Um, Ostman continued on his journey and set up camp near the Toba Inlet. The first night, he was made aware of the presence of nocturnal visitors via noises and movements on the edge of camp. So he definitely knew, like, okay, maybe there's some porcupine or a hmm. bear. He was like a man of the, of the wild. He knew these sounds, I'm sure. Right. So he just assumed it to be, like, curious animals. Then the next night, Ospin claims that he was asleep in his sleeping bag when suddenly a large man beast picked him up by his sleeping bag and carried him many miles from camp for roughly what was three hours. Whoa, that's and really long. <laughs> when Austin was finally lowered and set on the ground, he found himself on a forest plateau surrounded by a family of four Sasquatch. Yeah. Osman noted that while he didn't feel the Sasquatch were malicious, he got the sense that he wasn't allowed to leave. Oh. Whenever the group left the plateau, for example, one would always stay behind and watch him. Oh. And so he stayed there for a total of six days. <gasps> and they fed him? Either he had some supplies on his person or in his sleeping bag. Another account said that the Sasquatch had also taken his equipment bag, mm. which I find kind of strange and makes the story less believable. Well, but yeah, regardless, well, he, he, had, he had utensils with him to like set up a small tent and like build mm. a fire. Okay. And also coffee grounds and chewing tobacco on him. So the group was three adults. There was an old man. That's the one that brought him there. Mm -hmm. Who was like eight feet tall. There was an old woman who was like six foot six, I think he said. A younger woman. Mm -hmm. And then there was a little boy. And they were like a little Sasquatch family. And like the younger woman, little boy, they could climb like billy goats. They could just climb anything. It's like me. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> how he described them, he said they all had wide jaws and a narrow forehead that slanted upward round the back. Mm. And what is actually called a sagittal crest. Mm -hmm. And it's present in primates. It's like when they have the narrow forehead and like the big bumpy skull at the end. Right, like so a Neanderthal. Like, exactly, yeah. And the old man Sasquatch, he said, had long eye teeth or like canine teeth that were mm. almost like tusks. Oh. One interesting observation from Osman was of a favored food the creatures ate and 
they actually fed him this food. It was this delicious grass that had roots that were really sweet. Mm. He spent six days with them, and he kind of set up his own little camp in this little plateau canyon area. Because he found out that he was actually in like a block canyon. So it was just this plateau in the middle of this canyon. And there was like one exit that he knew he had to get out of. But he mm-hmm. was too afraid to, to try. But they, they, over time, they were feeding him this grass and everything. He also noticed that the old woman, what she would do is wash leaves and then fold them. Like she was mm. doing some chore. Mm. What I thought was funny too is Ostman had the sense while he was there that the adult female, the old lady female, was angry at the old man for bringing him there. When he finally oriented himself and saw that there was an exit in the canyon, he actually had his rifle with him. Oh. And so he actually brought his rifle and started walking to the edge of the canyon. And the old man stopped him and, like, put his hand out, like, to say no and said something in a weird language. (laughs) And Austin was afraid that he wouldn't go down from his rifle. So he just went back to camp and, like, stayed there longer. How he actually ended up getting out of camp was... At some point, the old man had become interested in his tobacco, his snuff, and it he'd put under his lip. And so he started plotting this idea to either kill or hurt the old man by making him eat a bunch of chewing tobacco. What he did was one morning, he made coffee on his fire and he got his chewing tobacco tin out and sort of, I, I think he did it in like a taunting way. So it got the old man's attention. The old man took the box of snuff, opened it up and ate the whole thing mm. all at once and then licked the inside of the tin. Mm-hmm. That nicotine and everything, he's getting like a head rush and getting kind of high. Yeah. So he goes and drinks all of his coffee, but that just brings him up more. So he right. starts freaking out. And so the old man, Sasquatch, eventually runs off to this little uh, freshwater spring to get drink some water. Mm-hmm. And then the kids start freaking out and the and the old ladies start freaking out. And that's when Osman makes his break, mm-hmm. gets his gun and his supplies. He starts running down the canyon and they start trying to stop him. Like the mother Sasquatch was on his tail and he shot the canyon wall like above her head and it scared her off. And he just sort of kept on running and running. I think he made camp somewhere along the way. Then he ran for another day and he finally found like a logging camp, got supplies from them and then finally went back to civilization. His account happened in 1924, but he didn't go public with it until 1957. Mm -hmm. And he didn't tell this story until he was older because obviously he was afraid of people thinking he was crazy and stuff. But people who interviewed him and stuff, everyone always said his story never changed. Mm-hmm. And he was seemed very genuine. Nothing seemed pathological about him. That's such like an interesting story, too, because like the whole thing with telling if people lie or not is like the amount of detail that they give. And that's like kind of the key to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you might as well wait until you're old and it's like, oh, fuck, this thing happened. And that, I just yeah. like, I just got to tell somebody. Right. You think you would use it to make money. Right. And like get publicity it. and stuff. Yeah. But he waited till he was older, which is interesting. But also you have less to lose when you're older and you care less when you're older. So you're more right. like, yeah, I'll tell you the story. Right. But I, I just think to be kidnapped by Bigfoot is very bizarre. Right. And like, whether the story is real or not, it just is an entertaining story. Yeah. And I could see it happening for sure because gorillas do that. Honestly, it sounds like he just saw a bunch of gorillas in the wild, which is strange because he's in British Columbia. But they look like gorillas. Also, he described the little boy Sasquatch as the boy would roll onto his back and hold his feet. Like mm-hmm. stretch his legs out and hold mm-hmm. his feet, which is just how baby primates play. Yeah. But that's even more strange because like they were so tall and so man-shaped. Right. And also like... Gorillas are also very man-shaped. They are. They also don't speak because these ones spoke to him. They would say like like words he couldn't understand. Oh, uh, interesting. But yeah, so like they had a language and they also, they knew like hand signals. When right. he stopped them from leaving the canyon, he put his hand up like the universal thing for stop. Right. And then said something. So hmm. pretty strange. What do you think? What's your opinion? 
I do you have that, a belief of Bigfoot? I don't know. Researching this, I did find a lot of input from anthropologists and zoologists who all say like, yeah, it's not a ridiculous idea that there is or was a Bigfoot. Right. It's definitely not impossible, but I think most of the stories are at the very least sensationalized yeah. or made up. I would be cool if there was. I think is what's weird about Bigfoot is like if we did find a Bigfoot, it's not like if we were to find aliens, we have nothing to gain from a Sasquatch. You know what I mean? Ideally. Right. If it was the missing link, I guess you would learn a lot. But also some things are better left a mystery. Yeah. I feel like if there's anything as far as cryptids go, Bigfoot is the most believable and most probable and also like kind of the most fun because it is like so harmless. Yes. <laughs> but it's also kind of like quirky and cute. And I wouldn't say I disbelieve in Bigfoot. I wouldn't say like I'm a hard set believer either. But if Bigfoot was a reality, I wouldn't be surprised by it. Because yeah. like there's still so much of the world that we just don't know about and like just can't know about yeah. yet. Like the ocean, right? Like the ocean is the most unexplored place on Earth. It's more of a mystery than space. Right. And I think even more so like places like the Amazon. Right. And like it's bad that we're tearing it apart, but as we're tearing it apart, we're finding insane discoveries of lost civilizations. Yeah. Weird, like, and species. There are still mysteries. We don't yeah. know everything. Yeah. And we find new species all the fucking time. Yeah. All the time. Things are always evolving and changing. I think it's also very easy to dismiss it outright because mm -hmm. it's goofy stuff and it's weird stuff. It's urban legends and what is real and what's fake and how much right. it's all like fantasy, whatever. But we talked about Charles Fort, the OG like reporter of bizarre phenomena. Right. He would write books that documented strange anomalies through history. Mm -hmm. I was reading this thing about him and a colleague of his or like a peer of his had sort of distilled Charles Fort's philosophy regarding the unexplained clash with science in a pretty interesting way. And I wrote it down. Quote, People with a psychological need to believe in marvels are no more prejudiced and gullible than people with a psychological need not to believe in marvels. Mm -hmm. So just like you said, where scientists have to be skeptical, that's very important to be skeptical. Yeah. But I think a lot of times in mass, it's more comforting and feels better to say that's ridiculous, to look down on something, mm -hmm. to say the world's a crazy place, but at the very least, there's definitely not a fucking giant ape man walking around. Right. You know? But then like also it's very important for some people to have these wild explanations to things. That's true. That's like the other side of the coin. Because really, I know like evolution feels like a million year process and like also it is. But Charles <laughs> Darwin, right? Like the origin of life and all that, which he was the first one to talk yeah. about evolution. He came up with that theory because he watched evolution happen with all of these species and like the finches, right? If you ever mm -hmm. heard like the finches, you can see the evolution of different species of birds in your own lifetime. So it's not a wild idea to think maybe there was some primate and now that it's been left undisturbed to just go about life how it wants to in the deep wilderness, remote areas of wherever the fuck. And it's changed based off of that. Because it all just depends on like mutations, like the rate of mutations, your life cycle, all that stuff. But it's not like a, an impossible thing for there to be like an undiscovered species if yeah. it's very small in these very remote areas. Yes. Right? It's not as fantastical as like Loch Ness Monster. Right. It's like a dinosaur is in a lake. Right. It's hard to say because they're in very remote areas. So like, why would people be there? Why would we find skeletons? Why would we find these things? They're undisturbed and they're undisturbed for a reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyways, 
this is all very fun and interesting. And I'm glad that we were able to cover Bigfoot. And I know I called him stupid and weird in the beginning, but... Yeah, look at us. We evolved. We evolved. You, you watched us evolve as you listened yeah. to this episode. Look at that. I'm I'm a big Bigfoot fan. I'm a Bigfoot freak. Ooh, I think we already <laughs> established that. Really? <laughs> hey. I'm ready to suck on some toes while yeah. I'm doing handstands. Yes. Well, let us cap off this episode. This will be the last episode of... 2020. Yeah. But this might release after the end of the year. So yeah, this has been a crazy year. We wanted to cap it off with an old favorite, an old yeah. uh, staple. Old reliable. Old reliable. We've been doing this podcast for over two years now. Yes. Two and a half years. So I think it's about time we do a Bigfoot. Yep. Isn't that wild? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. It's, it's weird. 2018. Uh, 2018 was a while ago. It feels like I've turned into three different people in that yeah, amount of well, time. you have. You have actually. <laughs> You literally changed your name. (laughs) Anyways, thank you so much for listening to us. And if you have followed us for this big, long two and a half year journey, thank you so much. And if you've joined us at any point, thank you for listening and supporting us and being in our lives. Yeah, we really, it's really cool of you. It's really cool of you. And hey, we see you and we like you. Like, (laughs) Maybe like more than a regular like. I mean, like, I want to touch your arm in a movie theater. I think I want to lick your toe. If you also want to lick my toe, send me an email at <laughs> according to an idiot at gmail.com. Or maybe like send me a private message on Facebook or Instagram at according to an idiot. Or send me a DM on Twitter at idiots accord. <laughs> <laughs> or catch me on my OnlyFans account. It'll be exclusively uh, Bigfoot impersonations. Just, just <laughs> me covered in hair. <laughs> I, I get it from a barber shop. Ooh. I know a guy. Yeah. We also have merch now. By the time this comes yeah. up, we'll definitely have merch through my Etsy store. So we have been talking about a Patreon for a while. We will have that fully set up as of this recording. <laughs> we're, we're working on it, but it's there. So if you want to check it out and- Know that it exists. And just know <laughs> that it exists and potentially shower us with a dollar. Yeah. So if you want to partake in that, we will have a link to it in our link tree and all of our social medias that I already told you. So I'm going to go rewind and find those again if you need to. Also, if you have ideas for the Patreon tiers, uh, please let us know. We have like some (laughs) long lost episodes that we never release but are fully edited and ready to go that are just too old now that we can't release them. So we're thinking of having that as a tier So if that's something you're interested in or if you want like exclusive episodes or like we could do little videos. Like if you want to do Zoom stuff, we can do little Zoom things. We can do uh, like Facebook Lives. So let us know if any of that interests you or if if you would like exclusive merch tiers. That's that's also a possibility. But regardless, I hope that 2020 was a good year. It probably was not, in which case I am happy that it is ending for you and for all of us. Was that your good vibe? Oh, my God. What about good vibes? Oh, how could I forget? Okay, What's my good vibe? My good vibe. My good, all of my good vibes are going out to a new year. <gasps> my good vibe is 2021 will bring us new riches and the possibility of a Bigfoot sighting. Incredible. And with that, we will bid you adieu. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you in time. I love you. <laughs>